0: Well, again, good morning. My name's Chris, and I am the Life Group's pastor. I am also, like, after post-Thanksgiving, I could be referred to as the leftover pastor, you know, the one who decided to stay and not take vacation, but I'll be honest with you, uh, I get excited to be up here. I get super nervous, and I get super excited all at the same time. I don't know about you guys, whenever you're asked to kind of come up on a platform and talk to people, you're going, is this like a TED Talk, you know, type moment, and uh, the reality is is that God uh, gives uh, me the blessing to be able to, uh, to preach on occasion. And so it's good to be here. Uh, I pray that uh, Mike, if you're listening online, you're an amazing man. Enjoy your time of rest with your family as well. Uh, budget season's coming up next week, so we just want to make sure and we're ready for that. So, so for the last 10 weeks, uh, we were going into a series called This Is... Anybody remember? This is us yeah that's right and so this is us we were talking about all of the amazing things that God has been doing over the last 75 years of our church and we were talking about how the people that first started it and just kind of the dream that God kind of used to kind of bless those people and say, hey, this is how we're going to, to do, this is, we're going to start a church in this little town called Tracy and then we were talking about just some of the things that we brought up some of the pastors on video, we brought back some of those worship leaders and said, hey, these were some of the people that have been part of that journey over the last 75 years well, for myself, I've only been a part of this journey in March. It'll be actually only seven years. And so you can kind of think of going, okay, so do you kind of feel, feel sometimes left out and you're saying, okay, hey, you're, the church is saying, hey, this is us. But maybe you could be in these seats and saying, hey, I, I'm actually brand new. Maybe this morning is your first time, or maybe you came to this church over the last couple of years and maybe you're asking the question, is this me? Am I part of the next 75 years to where when this church is celebrating 150 years that they're going to be talking about the people in this room? They're going to include the first people, but what they're gonna talk about is maybe the people who decided maybe this morning as we start the 76th year and seeing what God has done as a result of maybe using you here in the seats this morning. So I don't know about you, you could either be excited and you're going, oh my gosh, what is he going to ask us to do? It's like, we're all going to get on a bus and we're going to go to San Francisco and we're going to tell them about Jesus, right? And you're going, no, no, I don't want to do that. I still got leftover turkey to eat this morning. But maybe for some, that might be the case. You see, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk a little bit about how God likes to start new things in our lives, and we're gonna kind of talk a little bit about the makings of a new work. And so what we're going to do before I kind of get to that, I really love mini-monies. I love testimonies, I love mini-monies. Mini-monies is a smaller version of a testimony because it's a story about a life change, and so, what I did is, is I, a few weeks ago, when I, actually about a month ago, when I learned that I was going to preach, um, it wasn't actually a few hours ago, so that's kind of cool as well. And so, I asked a handful of people and said, Hey, I am looking for somebody to just share their story about what God is doing in their lives. And uh, there was a brave soul who said, I will go up and do that. Now, that was a month ago, and now we're moments from now, and I'm sure she's really nervous. But the reality is, is that it doesn't discount what God is doing in her life. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Tammy Nielsen to come up here and share her mini-money for a few minutes. You got this, Tammy. I'm just going to be over here if you need me.
1: Oh, I've always liked looking at timelines in the Bible, the bigger picture, so to speak, seeing how God went before ordinary people in their suffering to fulfill his purpose in their lives by bringing glory to him. It's hard to remember those stories when the story being written is your own. We can get caught up in the fear and suffering and feel defeated and hopeless. Sometimes though, we get a chance, this side of heaven, to see the good come from it all. Here's a bit of my timeline. My daughter, Danae introduced her family to celebrate recovery and Southwinds in 2014, hoping it would be a place of healing for us all. This is where my daughter, Tiffany, would meet Gino, the beginning of 2016, and they were married and expecting. Her pregnancy was a difficult one, and on October 26th, she had an emergency C-section. Israel was born six weeks early and sent to the NICU for monitoring. She had a couple of days to bond with Israel before being diagnosed with aspiration pneumonia, put on a ventilator, and then diagnosed with valley fever. The valley fever diagnosis had her being life from Modesto to San Francisco to be put on ECMO. Israel was doing great, aside from bouts of apnea. A plan was needed in case he was released before TIF. It was a hard decision, but we all agreed that if Israel was released first, I would take him home, and Gina would stay with Tiff. I'll admit, I whispered a little prayer in his ear when I'd visit that he would keep holding his breath off and on so Grandma could be with his mommy. Tiff's medical team did their best, but on Thanksgiving Day, we stood in the hallway watching them wheel her past us through the operating doors. It was becoming apparent she was not getting better, and on December 1st, Surrounded by family, she stepped into the presence of her Heavenly Father. December 1st is also the day Israel stopped holding his breath for Grandma. Eric and I left San Francisco that night and headed to Modesto to pick him up. God's perfect timing. Israel stayed with us most of the time so Gina could work and sleep. He would have him a couple hours in the evening and on weekends. We kind of had a shared custody thing going on and it worked until I was introduced to his friend Karen. Let's just say I was not happy. I was Israel's grandma and I didn't need any help, but little did I know. I watched as she took over what should have been Tiff's role with Israel, and when her and Gino were married at the end of 2017, I felt like Tiff's memory was being erased. I was hurt, angry, and resentful. But with my CR sponsor by my side, I was given a safe place to vent and work through my feelings. Now going back a bit, Israel as an infant was not like my other four grandkids. He didn't like to be held, cried a lot, and couldn't be soothed. When you talked to him, he rarely made eye contact. I attributed this to him being a preemie in the NICU. Plus, as much as I tried to hide, hide it, he had come home to a grieving family. But as he got older, there were more signs. Still not making eye contact, not responding to his name, hand clenching, not talking, spinning, more and more boxes were being checked. By summer's end, 2018, it was apparent he should be evaluated. Karen got the ball rolling, paperwork filled out, appointments made, and then it came, the diagnosis autism, and later DeGeorge syndrome. With this new information, Karen knew what she had to do and where to begin. Within weeks, he was receiving home therapy. You see, Karen is a special needs teacher. She's Israel's loudest advocate, literally. And if you know her, you know. (laughs) She will take on anything and anyone for him. She knows the system knows what services he's eligible for, and will fight until he gets them. I honestly have no doubt God placed her here to be Israel's mom when his plan was to take his mommy to heaven. God knew exactly who Israel needed to become all he was created to be. Karen pushes him and doesn't let him get away with anything, most anything anyways. He trusts her to know his capabilities and his limitations, and it shows in his willingness to learn and his love for her. My daughter gave birth to a beautiful boy and will always be his mommy. Karen took that beautiful boy as her son and will always be his mom. Thanksgiving six years ago, I was struggling to find things to be thankful for. Since then, Celebrate Recovery and South Winds has become a huge part of our lives. I can truly say that having my CR sponsor by my side through this hard time was a godsend. She is there for me, listening to me, crying with me, laughing at me and with me, always bringing it back to God. Israel is an amazing, smart, happy boy and a blessing to us all. He attends kindergarten and the Kindle Center. And although nonverbal today, he has a lot to say and communicate in his own beautiful way. This year, I am thankful I can look back and see the bigger picture. Thankful that Karen spent a couple of hours with me this last week, filling in the blanks. She answered my hard questions I've had for the past six years. Thankful for our crazy family and being able to see God in it all. And though I miss my goofy, loving spirit, and though I miss Tiffany and her goofy, loving spirit and God-fearing ways, I'm thankful that I can now find peace, not an understanding, but peace with my daughter's passing, knowing I will see her again. Thankful Denae made an initial push to get us to see our south winds to begin our journey of healing. There's a lot of work to be done but I'm thankful God continues his work in me and my family to bring healing and restoration, making us new so we can share the hope we have with him with others. As a side note here, it just so happens that Israel is at church with us today. Not at all planned by us, because we rarely have him on a Sunday, but by God and the 49ers. (laughs) Thank you.
0: I don't know about you guys, but we need to hear testimonies more often, amen? amen. We need to know that sometimes our walks with God are not easy, um, but they are good. And that God starts new works all the time in our lives. And I will tell you that, that uh, God happened to put that incredible family on my street. Actually, he put me in their street because they've been living there for 20 plus years. And I just know that um, as God has used that specific moment um, in the loss of their daughter, um, he's used those moments to help me to remember that God can use your pains, that he can use the struggles you had been at one time and being a lo- losing a child on my own to come alongside them. It was like a moment when we moved up here to Tracy and God said, I am not done with your hurt yet, Chris. And, and God allowed me to be a part of that family uh, over these last six and a half years. Uh, and it's been an absolutely roller coaster, amazing thing, but it's been a new work. And I just wanna encourage you, um, God is going to use every bit of your life, your career, your choices. He's gonna use those things for a new work. And so what we're gonna talk about today is we're gonna talk about how does he do that. And we're gonna look at four simple ways. And I, go, and, and I don't wanna simplify it to four simple ways because I think that if we really allowed God to be here, uh, we're gonna narrow it down to four trillion ways on how God can do that. But I'm gonna simplify it so we can get out of here at a reasonable time uh, in four simple ways. So what I wanna do is I just wanna read God's word. And we're gonna read out of the Gospel of Luke. And so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up Dust them off, you know, so that you're ready to go. If you have your Bible apps, go ahead and open it up to the Gospel of Luke. Um, If you are looking for them on the screen today, um, Pastor Chris was also partially on vacation and did not have slides, so I'm giving you the freedom of not having to follow the slides, but I will try to be as clear as possible. But if you open up your apps, uh, you will actually just say selected scriptures and a title, and you can just take the notes on your app as well or on a piece of paper or on the margins of your Bible Um, as we read here this morning. But one of the things that I think it's important to understand right before we read here is that Jesus is getting ready to get on a boat Prior to this, he's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. And he's been healing Simon Peter's mother so that she can make dinner. It was kind of cool. It's like, I'm hungry, you're sick, let me heal you. And now all of a sudden you can go ahead and make a meal. I mean, Jesus is pretty cool in so many different ways. I don't even know if it was on Thanksgiving. I doubt it. So, but I, I do wanna say, though, that, that we're going to read a story about God doing a new work in this man Simon Peter's life. And my hope is, is as we look at Simon Peter's life, that we're going to look at our own lives and we're gonna kind of answer this question saying, God, is this really, can you really do that in my life? Can you really do that in mine? Because sometimes when we read this, we just read it as a story and we put it back on our shelf or we put it back on our desk and then we kind of go out through our day and we just struggle and we forget that God has such incredible stories to show us how he can do it in our own lives as well. And what I love is that he doesn't do it through perfect people. He does it through people like me. He does it through people like you. And he will do it through the people that God will put in your lives moving forward for the rest of your lives. So let's go ahead and look at Luke chapter five, and we're gonna just read 11 verses today. And so this is where it starts. It says, on one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also another name for the Sea of Galilee, for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, And so, they sing- so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And so when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. So they were, so, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats onto shore and left everything and followed him. Wow, an incredible story. Maybe for some of you, that's like, oh, that's a VBS story. Or hey, I've heard that story. I've seen the videos of that story. But what I wanna do is I wanna talk a little bit about the makings of a new start, of a new work, of a new thing that God can do in your life. And the very first thing that he does in the making of a new start, I'm gonna call it the ministry of availability. I love that word. And I would say that as a pastor over the last 25 years, I have learned, and actually I'm still even really learning is that God uses moments, not sometimes the ones that we've planned, it's most often the ones that are unplanned to do his greatest work, to do the ministry of availability. You see, Jesus was, I I love this kind of picture, and I want you to just kind of observe this moment. Jesus is teaching from the shoreline, and there's great crowds that begin to start surrounding that lake. And as they're sitting there, he starts going, okay, okay, there's a couple of empty boats there. There's some fishermen washing the nets. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go ahead and go onto Simon's boat. And here's something interesting. It was just like an observation as I was kind of reading and kind of poring over this. He did not ask Simon's permission to get on his boat. What did Jesus do? He actually walked over to the boat, got into the boat and said, Simon, push off from shore. And I wanna go ahead and stand here. And here's something interesting and an interesting observation. This might be one of those neat kind of moments when you kind of observe a biblical moment. Most of the times, you'd say that Jesus sat down and he began to teach. You see, back in that day, actually the teachers, the rabbis would actually sit and everyone else would listen standing up. So I'm gonna practice that today. I'm gonna sit and you guys stand. No, and so go from there. But what happens is, is that Jesus begins to teach. It doesn't say what he's actually teaching on, but it just says that he's teaching. But then what begins to happen, he goes, when something is available, here, and here's just kind of like a quick phrase I wanna share with you. When something is available, it's open to being used. You see, Simon and all of his partners were out fishing all day, and they were tired but yet still God used the moment to say, hey, I need, you to, I need to use your boat. And I don't know about some of you guys here this morning, but maybe you've kind of come in here and you're kind of coming in tired from the holidays. Anybody tired from just the Thanksgiving? You got up early, you did all those things. The family, maybe you're just coming back from vacation. You're kind of getting ready to the thing. School's getting started again for some of you students and you're just kind of sitting there and you're just going, I'm tired. And Jesus is saying, I still can use you even in the midst of your tiredness. You see, God opens up opportunities when we are willing to listen. And I wanna just share you a quick little mini-monies of some things that God has done over my life, and I will tell you that these are just such a few short things, but yet, to my life, they're super significant. Like over 13 years ago, Actually, 14 years ago, when my wife and I, when we were living in Oceanside, and I know you're thinking, Chris, why were you coming to Tracy? Doesn't matter. When I was living in Oceanside and we were blessed with our very first house, one thing happened that changed the direction of where God has me even today. We got the keys to our house and I'm watching at my dad's house as I'm getting ready to take him to, uh, to the train station and I'm turning it on and all of a sudden I'm watching the news and there's this news reporter that was talking about a 15 year old boy that had just had a drive by happen on this street in Oceanside. And I'm going, that street looks familiar. And as I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the corner and I'm going, hey babe. Is that, our, is that near our house? And it turns out that this drive-by shooting of this 15-year-old boy happened directly across the street the day that we got the keys to our house. Now, I want, I'm not telling you just for to tell you about the drive-by shooting, but I want to tell you the thing that I had to ask God. Is God, first of all, why me? I was literally asking, calling the agent, saying, hey, if we haven't moved in, Can we give the house back, right? Do I have to live there? Because we vetted our neighborhood. We saw it and we talked to everybody. We're like, okay, this is amazing. But the moment that I got the keys to say, this is where I'm planting my family, God started a ministry in my heart. And he challenged me to stop being afraid. And he started challenging me to ask this question. How am I going to love my neighbor? You see, he can use moments of tragedy to challenge your own thoughts of going, your own fears, and he can move you to places where you're going, God, help me love my neighbor. And over the course of two years, God then would slowly move me into a place where we would start an after-school program into the school that was directly across the street from us that just started, He then moved into a a place in Oceanside who was talking about, hey, we would like to reach this area of Oceanside and man, we're going to pray that that God is going to supply a pastor in that community to help reach that neighborhood and then they find out that I was a pastor that moved there two years earlier and was just seeking to do everything he could to reach a neighborhood but didn't know necessarily how and so I partnered with another church and I was planted as a church planter. Before then, I was a student ministry pastor for over a decade. And I was saying, God, if you can use me, just help me love my neighbors. And then from there, God began to develop me as a lead pastor and help me develop me to where we would then begin to start planting other churches. And they began to start planting other churches. And since the one we planted, the one they have now planted, I think, three or four other churches from their church because simply asking the question, God, why is this happening to me? It's a ministry of availability. And I had to be willing to say, God, just help me figure out how to love my neighbors. This past Monday, my family and I, we just completed our fostering journey of watching, having the blessing of watching three beautiful little kids, eight, four, and one over the last year. But the reality is, is that we have been in their life for the last five years And I will tell you that in that moment of fostering, it wasn't just about watching these three kids. My wife will tell you, it wasn't just about watching those three kids. Man, she poured her heart out into those beautiful children. But the outcome was incredible, And in this journey, as we had their children for their three years, we would reach out and we would talk to the parents. We would pray with the parents. We would just say, hey, you can do this. And there were moments where it did not look good. And it was moments where the courts were asking us, hey, would you be willing to adopt these children if you needed to? And my wife and I would look at each other and we're going, we have a senior in college and we've got a senior in high school. And God, do we really need to start with children eight, four, and one? our response to God was this. If you want to use us, Lord, use us. But God, we want these kids to be with their parents. And so what we would begin a journey over this last year as we were praying with dad, we were praying with mom, we were praying that God would provide a job that would help support them to be able to take care of their kids and then trying to figure out, God, how are you going to do this? There was one, this one family when they were gonna be moving back, the way we were praying, it was gonna be six of them in one bedroom. And God, help us provide. Help provide for that. And we were praying that with the parents. And the next thing you know, we find out dad gets a a couple of jobs, a couple of part-time jobs, moves into one full-time job. And now pretty soon it's moving into some type of supervisor skills. And then finally it's leading up to saying they found a church. He gets the job. Here's the cool part. He gets the job, and it happens to be Monday through Friday, 6 to 2.30, weekends off. And the one thing I mentioned to him is saying, maybe it's time that you go find a church. And for the last four months, this family, before they even had their kids back, began a journey of going and finding their own church that they would go to every single Sunday. And here's a really cool part, guys, is that they even invited us to one of their outreaches for their church. And I loved it. I loved it because guess what? At this outreach, I'm seeing they're inviting their friends, they're inviting their families, and I'm thinking, God, you are using this family in a new work, and we were still praying for that house. And here's one of the coolest things. They went into the courthouse this past Monday. The judge signed their kids back over to them, and on their way home back from the courthouse, They get a call and saying, you have qualified for low income housing and we want you to come in tomorrow and get your voucher, take your orientation so that you can do it. And I just kept on going to this family and I said, listen, you wanted this house six months ago, but you weren't ready for this house, but you are now ready for this house But I will be honest with you, it was the late night phone calls. It was the early morning phone calls. It was the praying over their children, praying with that family, having them praying for their own selves and realizing what God can do in those moments when you're saying, I just want to be available, Lord, How are you going to do this? And I will be honest with you, the journey is not over. And guess what? I keep on telling them, saying, guess what? We're grandparents now. And they came over and we watched them all day Monday and we were hanging out with them. And I would tell you that this beauty of just loving a family and taking moments out of your own lives and just saying, I want to invest. And especially like the littlest one, I will tell you, we had him since he was 10 months old. And like even in the last few months, one of the coolest things that happened, I should have brought it from my desk, because ha- we bought him these two little garden gloves, because he always would see me working outside and mowing and blowing and cleaning up, and he'd always be at the windows, and I'd, blow the w- I'd make my blower go into the window and he'd laugh, and then I, I, we'd open the door and he'd wanna run out, and he'd always wanna come and help me. So we got him these little rubber boots, we got him these little gloves, and he would just walk with us. And he would just pick up leaves, and go, okay, go run into the trash can, you know, and come drop it off. And then finally I'm like, was he ready for the mower, right? I'm like, because like I, if I could get this two-year-old to mow, I would be set, right? Well, what we began to do is that we actually just said, okay, hey, so he started grabbing the mower, and then I'm holding it, and he wants to like push it himself, so like I'm just hiding, and I'm just walking behind him. But what I'm seeing is this, I'm seeing this little boy who says, I just wanna help because I see you doing the work. And I'll be honest with you, every single one of you here does something that someone else maybe wants to learn how to do. And maybe someone just needs to come alongside somebody to show them that. And whether it's a two-year-old boy to a mid-20-year-old man, to to a family, to a spouse, to a foster, to whatever it is that God wants to use you. And even more recently, also just a couple of weeks ago, there was like a, cra- like a crazy incident that happened on my street, and then all of a sudden there's police happening, and it's, our, it's during our life group, and there's police everywhere, and they're blocking everyone from coming into our neighborhood. And I'm getting calls saying, hey, Chris, is there life group? Because there's our street's blocked. And I tell them how to come over the other way. And I will tell you this, how God can use you. That same couple, Tammy, Eric, lived across the street from where that incident happened. And their neighbor came to them and just said, I need prayer. And you know what they did on a Monday night with my life group? Is that they took them, her and her son, they walked them over to our life group, and guess what, we were having soup night that night, and we fed them some soup, and we fed him some food, and we just just had the conversations as they were struggling to see what they just experienced. And then our life group began to just pray over them. Here's something cool. That Sunday, the day before, Pastor Mike was talking about prayer. That was just a couple weeks ago. And I just thought, God, you can use every single moment in our lives to continue to remind us that you are not done with us and that you want a new work to be done. And the question is, is that where is it happening in your own life? There's one more thing I wanna share with you because I'm gonna talk more about it at the end of the message, but I wanna kinda share with you, I'm I'm also a chaplain for the police department and I'm hanging out in the hallways and we've been kinda asking, there's a new shelter that opened up here in the city of Tracy taking in the homeless. By, sponsored by the city of Tracy. And, and we've been asking some questions in the office through our Celebrate Recovery. We've been asking through our care ministries and saying, how can we come alongside? How do we figure out how to do this? And just by an opportunity of just having a conversation in the hallway, I happened to be introduced to one of the people that, guess what, oversees that entire transition. And they said, hey, do you wanna take a tour of the shelter? And I'm like, yeah but it requires a ministry of availability. I had things to do. I had a message to write on this last Tuesday, but guess what? The first thing I did was saying, hey, I'm gonna bring our, one of our leads of CR. I'm gonna go ahead and bring my admin and saying, we're gonna take a trip. We're doing a field trip. And we began to explore and they began to say, we need help. We need help with people to help do other things, and I'm gonna talk again more about that, but I just want to remind you that these are little things that can happen in your life that can become great things simply because God wants to use you. These are, And I will be honest with you, these are just part of what my stories are, but I guarantee you every single person in this seat God wants to use, Amen? Let's continue on in the story. In verse four, when Jesus is done teaching, he says to Simon Peter, he says, let's go a little bit deeper into the waters. Jesus kind of wants us to go a little bit deeper with him sometimes too. He's requesting Simon Peter to go back to work. And I'm not a fisherman But I guarantee that the type of fishing that they were doing when they were casting the nets over the side of the boats and bringing those things in, it was hard work. Because what they didn't do is that if they didn't catch fish, they weren't bringing it back and supplying it for their families. They weren't getting paid an hourly wage. It's that if you didn't catch anything, you don't get anything. You don't feed your family. You don't sell what you could to help take care of your family. And then Jesus asks Simon Peter to go ahead and let down the nets again. And it leads us to our second making of a new work. And it's an opportunity for obedience. An opportunity for obedience. And I love Simon's response here. And I want us to make sure that I'm going to camp on here just a little bit here this morning. Because it's so important. His response needs to be our response today. He tells him, he goes after, he says, hey, throw, throw the net onto the other side. He goes, master. First of all, he's recognizing who Jesus is in his life. We've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. You need to be real with where you're at with God. I don't know about you, But one of the things that I've heard, and I love this this definition or this idea of confession, because confessing is basically an opportunity to go to God and tell him everything he already knows. When you go to God and you say, hey God, I am frustrated. Hey God, I am angry. Hey God, I am broken. Hey God, I am hurt. Hey God, I don't even know if I fully understand who you are. It's okay. But what Simon Peter says after this is what's required for every single person here in this room, including me, on this stage. He says, but. And we all need buts in our lives. He says, but because you said so, I will let down these nets. Why is that important? Because when we read our word, when you come on a Sunday morning and you hear God's word and you hear people teaching God's word and what happens is is that you may hear something in the message and you're saying, oh my gosh, that's exactly what he's speaking into my life. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're hearing the sermon and you're going, that's me or he's speaking directly to me. How did he know? We don't. I'm gonna tell you a little secret. We don't. We're just simply teaching his word and his word is living and what ends up happening is this is that God challenges us through his word and through the Holy Spirit living in your lives and he adds these moments where he's gonna challenge you and he's gonna challenge you maybe at your weakest moments of your life and he is asking for this simple response because you say so God. But no, 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 you can give every excuse under the boat. God, I'm tired. Or maybe you've even done this. I've tried that before. But God, because you say so, I am going to walk in and do this. Are you guys catching me here this morning? Are you guys seeing that part of the opportunity and those ministries of availability and the opportunities for obedience start with those moments and you're saying, God, I'm afraid I've never done it before, but I'm gonna go ahead and do that. You see the definition according to Hebrews 11:1 of faith says this Now faith is being sure of what we what hope for and certain of what we do not what see Faith is being sure of what we hope for, knowing that when we read God's word, we know that there is this God out there, but just as much as there is a God that has walked on this earth, and just as much as when he left this earth, he left us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, that we have that hope, but we do not need to see the evidence of it because we know that if we are simply obedient to him, he is gonna show us faithful. And it's faithfulness not in the way that we think it's going to happen. It's faithfulness to say, God, I'm going to leave the results to you. And here's the greatest thing. The results were what? As they're throwing out the nets, it talks about the nets are what? They're full. They're not only full, excuse me, they're not only full, but the nets are breaking and he's calling out to his partners, hey, James, John, Sons of Thunder, come over here. We need your help. And they're going and they're rowing out their boats. And guess what? From the one net from this one boat, they begin to fill one boat up. Then they begin to fill the second boat up. And guess what? The boats begin to do what? They begin to sink. And as they begin to sink, what is God showing them? He is showing them That he can do anything, that he can master anything on this earth, and he's going to do a great work, which leads us to this next part, to our third making of something new. And that's this, that we need to practice gratefulness. We need to practice gratefulness, but the way that Simon Peter practiced gratefulness was something I think a little bit different than I think normal. You see, what he did there, the very first thing that Simon Peter did, it wasn't kind of like this windfall of the lottery. I don't know, again, if you guys remember that whole two $2 billion lottery, and I'm just thinking, man, what would I do with it? And what would I do? I'd celebrate it or maybe not celebrate too much. I think you start playing all the games. If I won, oh, I wouldn't tell anybody. I'm just going to walk around. I'm still going to drive my truck, but I'm going to happen to be a blessing. Hey, today I'm going to fill up my tank of gas. You know, and you start doing one of those types of moments. But what begins to happen is this, is that you just kind of inwardly saying, you're reaching out and you're so excited. But why was Simon Peter's response different than that? He did something different. What is it that he did? It's said in verse eight, it said that Simon Peter fell at Jesus' knees and he says, go away from me. Lord, I I'm a sinful man. Why is it that when he just saw this most amazing abundance of what God is capable of doing, that he turned to him and just said, God, I am not even worthy of this blessing. Have you sat back, and maybe you're sitting in here, and you're going, man, God has really blessed us. When I saw my family as they were going home and I'm thinking, man, God, a family of six in one bedroom and I've got spare bedrooms now. It's like, you get a bedroom, you get a bedroom and they don't have it. But the reality is, is that God allowed me to use this moment and here's the other side. I'm also like from Mexico where I have family that's like living in all different places. And that through my lens, I'm thinking, oh, how the poor family. And then I'm going, well, wait a second. They've got a roof over their heads. They've got beds. They have meals that are being provided for. God is taking care of them. And that there's moments of like, God, I just need to be grateful for what you have given me and allow me to be able to use it however I can to be a blessing to whoever you need. But we have to be ready for those moments of gratefulness, but there must be an acknowledgement of who we are first. And I love that Simon Peter said, I am a sinful man, because in that he was basically saying, God, I am not worthy of this gift. But he did accept it. He did accept it. And as the onlookers were just astonished, it said in verse nine and 10 that they were astonished and the boats, as the boats were sinking, what we saw, and this is the final part of the new work, is that the new work begins. That if you can recognize if you are available, if you can recognize when you're obedient, if you can recognize that if you are practicing this area of gratefulness and if you're honest with who you are and you're just simply saying, God, even despite all of my shortcomings, you still wanna use us. Romans 5.8, greatest demonstration of that is this, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that what, while we were still sinners, he still died for us. I hold on to that. I don't know about you guys. As a pastor, I'm going, man, God, I'm still thankful that I can refer to myself as a pastor and yet still recognize that I'm still sinful, that I can sin, that I'm capable of sin, but I do not let sin hold on. But I want you to recognize first who you are, but recognize that God can still use you even in the middle of your sin because he can open doors to help you work your way out of it. But it starts with those acts of confession. And so the new work begins. But here's the thing that he says. Jesus, I love Jesus' response to Simon Peter as we kind of wrap this thing up here this morning. He tells, he tells Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you are going to catch men. In other versions, it's you will now become what? Fishers of men. I love that. Because what he's also demonstrating in that very moment is that he is saying, I am going to bless you. And I can't thank you. I'm thinking we just caught the biggest fish catch in our lives. We're gonna do this every night because God just showed us. They had the biggest fish story ever as fishermen. And now God is saying, I want you to walk away from all of that and be willing to start this new work with me. And picture this, church. If he could do it with fish, imagine what he can do with people. And you have to recognize that over 2,000 years ago, as that story was being written, the reason why we're even in church is because those disciples went out And reached more people who created more disciples, who created more disciples, who created more disciples, who created more disciples, who created more disciples. disciples, That one day eventually led to a group of disciples in Modesto to say, we want to start a church in Tracy. And here we are 75 years later saying, praise God for 75 years. What are you going to do in year 76? And so, my question for you is this How is he going to use you? You see, with that new shelter working up, here's a few things that she even just said that the lead person said, This is how we can use some help. Do you know anyone that can help people work through resumes? Do you know anyone that can help people maybe work through interview jobs? Hey, we have this laundry facility on site. We actually want to take some people to laundry facilities and help them people how to wash their own clothes. We want to teach people to paint. We want to teach people to work through it. And then I said, hey, can we bring Celebrate Recovery on there? Like, well, we, we can't come on here, but guess what? You can tell them about it, and then we will bust them to you at your church. And I will tell you this, Guys. That you may be saying, well, this is my trade. And I will tell you, if you think you can teach somebody how to do it, they're saying, we need the help. So where does that start? Where is your net being cast out this morning? And maybe you're using the season, well, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I want to do it. I think I am tired. And maybe God is simply asking for you to say, but... Because you say so, I'm going to drop my nets today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the new work. God, we thank you that you are doing incredible things throughout our lives And God, I thank you, Lord, that you can give us examples in your word. But God, you are still giving examples here on earth and in these moments in 2022, and you're gonna do them in 2023, and you're doing it with the people here in these seats this morning. And so God, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us do a new work with you. God, continue to remind us of the hope that you give us. God, continue to remind us, Lord, as we go into this Advent season, that God, that you are gonna show us a new work. And that God, as we enter into the new year and a month from now, that God, may you make this church look different, Lord, because the nets are breaking and the boat's sinking. Not because something's bad, but because everyone chose to be a blessing out in our communities. And we love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what we're gonna do right now is we're going to start, actually, ushers, we're going to do this, uh, the usherings, we're gonna do one song. We we forgot to tell you guys, it's gonna be after this um, Advent moment. Um, So I'll I'll bring the ushers back up here in a moment. So I totally blew that one. This is where Pastor Mike's really good at it. He'll go, Chris, rookie. Um, (laughs) um, Today marks the beginning of our Advent season. And so it's a period where we kind of uh, take a moment to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so over the next four weekends, we are going to light a candle and represented by these two gentlemen right over here. And they're gonna share you a little bit about what the hope candle means and what it does. And they're gonna pray. Um, but I'll be honest with you guys. Remember that today, uh, man, let God do something in your life today, amen? All right, guys, go ahead and take
2: This morning we come to light the first candle of Advent, the hope candle. Hundreds of years before God sent his son to earth, God's people hoped for a coming Messiah. Isaiah prophesied his coming. He said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's Isaiah 9-6. God promised to send his son, and he kept his promise. Matthew 12, 21 tells us that in Jesus' name, the nations will put their hope. Our hope is truly in Jesus. Another promise God made to us is this You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. During this season of Advent, remember the hope candle, remember God's promises. See God and His Son Jesus Christ, who came that first Christmas to bring us hope. Everybody pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your promise to love and care for us. And if we seek you, we will find you. And Lord, the hope that we have in you and your son. We thank you for the precious gift that he is. I pray that we, as we come to this season, would be ready and prepared to share the hope that lies within us that we have in you. We praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.